Welcome to CLCC Online. We pray that this message draws you towards Jesus and strengthens your walk with Him. We believe that we were meant to do life in community. So if you live in the Fraser Valley area, we would love to get you connected into the family. Find everything you need at clcc.ca. Enjoy. Hello everyone, online family. It's so nice to see you again. I'm Phil, our Alder Grove campus pastor, and I trust your summer's treating you really, really well. We're marching on in our series, Stories That Transform Us, and I've been having a great time in this series. I trust that you have too. This week, we're going to be turning to Acts chapter 6, and uh, as you get there mentally or maybe physically in your Bibles, we're going to do a flyover and catch up with the early church movement. Jesus has been crucified, resurrected, and ascended back to the Father. He left this encouragement to his disciples that the Holy Spirit was coming to comfort and to guide. And it did really powerfully at the the day of Pentecost. Young and old, men and women, slave and free, God was making himself available to all, unleashing his presence and power to humanity again through his son, Jesus. So now the world has changed. Believers are being equipped to share the gospel and build the kingdom of heaven. And the 12 apostles in the early church took very seriously the task of going out and making disciples. And so when we step into Acts chapter 6, we're going to discover a bit of an internal problem. And the early church was having some growing pains that the apostles had to deal with. And rising up to the challenge, we're going to be introduced to uh, a guy named Stephen. But our discussion is actually more about how God gives us his spirit to reach the people around us. So why don't we begin to read together Acts chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 1. Now, In these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, and I'll get to that in a moment, arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So the twelve summoned up the full number of the disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. So now we have this conflict. There are some Greek-speaking Jews, uh, this community of Hellenists who likely were Jewish people but had been dispersed amongst the Greek world and were immigrating back to Jerusalem. So, So they may or may not have known much of the Jewish culture or maybe even much of the language. And this group of Hellenists were concerned that their widows weren't being fed. So for some reason, maybe incidental, maybe not, They weren't being included in the daily food that was given out amongst the church community. So we're going to zoom out for a quick second. If we take ourselves out of Acts chapter 6, I think the author Luke uses this scenario. uh, And I think in some ways the setup and resolution of this is supposed to remind us of Exodus chapter 18, where, where Moses becomes overwhelmed with the problems of Israel And he's convinced by his close friends to appoint people, 72 of them in fact, to help him. But let's get back to the story. Here's the apostles' solution, and we're going to read it in a few seconds. Because they had some, they they could have defaulted to being defensive by saying, hey, that's not our problem. Or dismissive, we don't have time for this. 
The apostles were busy dudes. But in order to, to keep doing what they thought was important, they needed to recruit some leaders to oversee this issue. And we're going to encounter that in verse 3. But that's a good place to start because so, so many times we can look at the world around us and it can be easy for us to be defensive or dismissive about the problems and, and our ability to get involved, even within our own church community. What can we learn from this story? How can we be transformed? And so given that this story begins with a conflict surrounding food, I'm going to share a couple food for thought this morning. And the first thing that I was thinking of, the first food for thought that we have, is that we need the Spirit for our daily living. Why don't we pick up the story in verse 3? The apostle said, Therefore, brothers, pick out among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. It's interesting that the leaders of the church movement, the 12 apostles, the ones who spent the most time with Jesus, they felt that one of the requirements to handing out food was being full of the Spirit. And now this is speaking to a Christian community. And so this is loaded with Pentecost language, Spirit baptism language. Now I think we get the being of good repute part. Like that's intuitive. And I think context clues to what's going on tells us that it makes a lot of sense that if you're putting people in charge of collecting money and, and bringing it to the synagogue and, and giving that out and buying bread, that person in charge of that should be of good character, should have a good reputation. You don't want uh, someone to cheat you out of money uh, or to take advantage of it. But full of the Spirit? You mean the whole speaking in tongues and supernatural giftings and prophecy? I mean, they're just giving out food, right? And I think that there are totally times where we where I want to compartmentalize how the Holy Spirit ought to operate in my life or, or what I truly want his help with. Maybe we think pastors, yeah, totally, they should be full of the Spirit, right? But what about other jobs? What about other responsibilities? Is there anything else that we put this requirement on? I think a good prompt that we can learn from Acts chapter 6 is, is that not enough. We create all sorts of weird limits to what the Holy Spirit should help us with. But really, why shouldn't we be spirit-filled heading into a final exam? Why shouldn't we be spirit-filled to host our in-laws for a busy weekend? Why shouldn't we be spirit-filled to drive trucks all day? Do we think of the things that we have responsibility over? And so I'm talking like our workplace, our family, the, our, our, our class, our sports teams, our, our daily tasks and chores or the things that we volunteer in. Do we think of those things as things that need the presence of the Holy Spirit to oversee? I think we can look at this resolution of the apostles and begin to change the way that we think. The good news is, is that we can totally pray for the supernatural power of the Spirit to help us at work, to help us parent, to help us study, and more than we can ask for that, perhaps we must. I know that I'm at a point in my parenting life. I've got three kids. I've got you know a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, a one-year-old. I'm at the stage where doing it in my own strength is a real challenge. 
Jesus' promise of the Holy Spirit reminds me that perhaps I was never meant to do it on my own. Let me say that again. Perhaps you were never meant to do the things that you're in charge of, your responsibilities, on your own. In fact, I want to suggest, and while I totally thought I'd get into the whole Stephen story, but I'll reference it. Stephen was a dude who would very quickly be in conflict. And maybe it was his reliance on the Spirit that prepared him for the conflicts that would come up in an otherwise normal or mundane situation. Maybe I need to shift my thinking from the power of the Holy Spirit being optional or only for particularly religious things to the work of the Spirit being a necessary component for all of my responsibilities as a human, as a believer, and maybe even a human being. So maybe take a look at your weekly calendar today. What tasks or appointments or, or conversations do you need to begin with a prayer? Lord, I need to be filled with your spirit so that your will can be done in this. And I wonder how that might change the way that our week goes. Here's my next food for thought. God's work is closer than you think. God's work is closer than you think. We're going to pick up the story. In verse 5, we read that, And what they said, the apostles, pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. I might have put the emphasis on the wrong syllable on a couple of those. That's how it is. But these they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. It's super easy to miss this, but I think this is really interesting. It's really interesting that the apostles had the wisdom to choose seven fellow Hellenists. And we can reasonably deduce that because all seven of them had Greek names to help oversee and advocate for a ministry impacting the Hellenist community. What does that mean for us? Because the reality is they didn't have to. They could have chosen their own people whom they knew, who they could vouch for, who they trusted, who they grew up with. But also going the other way, it's encouraging to know that they didn't compromise on the qualifications to get the right people for the job. And so when I think about how that impacts in our life and maybe forms or challenges our life, it can be tempting to always look for bigger problems or or bigger opportunities. But most times, the biggest needs are the ones right in front of us. There's this story from the early days of the Pentecostal movement. And it's like the early 1900s, right? So some people were really zealous to, to travel the world as missionaries and spread the gospel And there were some who would do so under the presumption that God would give them supernaturally the language to speak to the people groups they would meet. And while there were some really cool stories of things that God did, overall, that tactic wasn't met with rousing success. It would take time to learn the language and the customs and the history in order to really bring meaningful impact and hope into those communities. And now even more encouraging, there's this huge push to equip local leaders who actually know the towns and the countries and the cultures that they live in instead of relying on others to do the work for them. We don't always have to cross the world 
to see what God wants for us. I want to suggest that there's plenty to do right here in the Fraser Valley. In fact, we might be most effective right where we're planted. Because this is where you live. This is where you work. This is where you play. This is where you worship. And and you actually are uniquely equipped to rise to the specific needs around you. You know the language and the history of where you live. Let me get more specific. No one is more equipped to raise their kids than you are. No one is more equipped to raise your kids than you are. No one is more equipped to encourage and empower your coworkers and classmates than you are. You already know their language. Do we need to keep learning? Of course. Can we do it on our own? Uh, Of course not. But the point remains, could it be that God's got us right where he wants us and that we don't need to always look far to find that we can be a meaningful part of God's kingdom right here? You know the language and you can receive the power of God's spirit to begin to make a difference in our community. And so we get to the story and there's this conclusion. This is what begins to happen when the community of faith gets this right. And we see it in verse seven. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The early church had growing pains. There would be hundreds of years of of conflict and infighting and and figuring it out and, and problems. And that hasn't changed. We have our growing pains too. And sometimes on a personal level, I fear that I'm not enough to rise to the challenge. I'm reminded because I'm a really big nerd I'm reminded by something said by the sage Bilbo Baggins, who was feeling tired, and he described it as feeling like butter scraped over too much bread. Is there anyone else with me? To feel like, ah, this feels hard. How can we navigate the growing pains of life in community, of life in the kingdom? How about to start, we need to be reminded of the power of Christ. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. What daily reminders, weekly reminders, yearly reminders can we make to ingrain this truth in us? To remind ourselves that the goodness of God and his promise is worth the growing pains, is worth the sacrifice, is worth the life given over. Stephen himself, full of faith, kept the gospel of Jesus and the power of the Spirit as central to what he did, even though what he was in charge of wasn't you know, churchy. And so should we, because it's in the power of Christ where our power lies. It's when we are weak, he is strong. In the power of Christ is where the abundantly more than what we can ask or imagine comes from. Then maybe we should say this. If you need help, Please reach out to someone. The widows didn't keep quiet, you know, stoically starving in their homes in a, in a form of uh, silent protest. They spoke up for all of the things going on under the surface of your life, things that no one else can see that you've believed no one would understand. I'm willing to bet that there's someone who's gone through the same thing, who knows the language of your crisis and can advocate and pray and act on Christ's behalf for you. 
and begin to act out in love towards you. Please reach out. And then if you see a need that needs to be met, it could be that you're the one who is supposed to lead the charge. There's this phrase my kids are learning, uh, and it's a little crude, and, but you all know it. It's, if you smelt it, you, you dealt it. And I think something like this rings true. Perhaps you noticed it because it's something that God has put on your heart to invest in and to learn and to help accomplish. What are the needs around you? What is the Lord showing you? Maybe it's your turn to take charge. That said, we can also learn to recognize if we're not the right person for the problem or or that we can't do it alone. Not all of us are geared for everything. Sometimes you may be the perfect person for the job. Sometimes you may be the worst person for the job. Sometimes you may be the only person. It takes courage and humility to reach out and discover other followers of Jesus who are gifted and knowledgeable in things that maybe God just hasn't put on your heart and you need to release it to someone else. I was convinced that I would learn the guitar in Bible college and and learn how to play and sing. And 14 years later, that still hasn't happened. (laughs) Maybe you also need courage and humility to stay rooted in the opportunities and things that God has given you so that you don't overwork yourself or stretch yourself too thin. The good news is this, is that we as a people of God are a body. First Corinthians, Paul describes the community of faith as this body united and empowered by the Holy Spirit who through Christ can build each other up. And when we're focused on that, this this building of each other up, of being empowered by his spirit to go and live and interact in the world around us, amazing things will happen, church. That gets me excited and I hope it gets you excited too. Why don't we pray together? Lord, We thank you for the presence of your spirit that you have made the gift of grace and love and wholeness available to all. That because of your death and resurrection on the cross, we have access to the presence of God once again. And and we're so grateful that 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 presence gives us, makes us recipients of your Holy Spirit. That we can be empowered beyond our own natural means to live and play and work in the world around us, to build your kingdom, to make it uh, on earth as it is in heaven. I pray that you would give us eyes to see the needs around us and that you would empower us with the giftings and passions to reach out and begin to meet those needs. And I thank you that we don't do this alone, that we have the presence of your spirit And we also have the community of faith that together we work hand in hand to make your kingdom come, to see your will be done. And what a great kingdom it is, full of hope, full of peace, full of life, full of beauty, full of love. It's so worth the sacrifice. It's so worth the journey that we're put on. So we trust you and we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. I love you, and I'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining us. If you are looking to get connected, we are one church in multiple locations. 
Our Aldergrove campus meets at Parkside Elementary School Sundays at 10.30. Our Abbotsford campus has three services each Sunday, 8.30, 10, and 11.30. We would love to see you at one of our in-person gatherings. If you would like to financially support us, you can always give at cscc.ca slash give. See you later.